Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Morning, morning. I'm Adel Kozilski, and yes, indeed, our health is our only wealth, and that's why we come together once a week to discuss our health and look at our health from a much bigger, uh, you know, uh, sphere than we are, are told normally. And, and as always, in the driving seat, she's actually not in the driving seat. I'm looking at her. She's sitting on a couch. I think Dr. Bulatov today is in the driving seat. <laughs> good morning, Adel. Good morning. We are at it again, and I think that today we're going to have a very interesting d- discussion. It's something that both you and I have uh, been trying to do and trying to clear our systems out, and we've been guided by no other than Dr. Bulatov, who is a functional medicine practitioner in Johannesburg, and it gives us great pleasure, Doctor, to invite you onto the show. Good morning, Adel and Feggy. Thank you so much. It's a great privilege and honor to be on High FM. To start off, let just uh, people know who are you and what do you do? What are what are your credentials? How do you look at the world, um, you know, when, when, when you're medically treating people? Well, I'm Bulgarian and I'm a medical doctor from Medical Academy in Sofia, graduated in 92. And three years before I graduated, I chose not to practice conventional medicine that was my personal choice. However, I graduated as a medical doctor and got registered as a homeopath in South Africa in 97. So I've been practicing here since 97, seeing thousands of patients from flu to advanced cancers and anything in between, applying iridology, homeopathy, metabolic typing, and various other healing modalities that are actually highly individualized. Just to ask a question that I like we've dealt a lot personally together, what made you come from Bulgaria, doctor? I believe God's plan only because my plan wasn't that. <laughs> okay, so there is a God in the world, hey? <laughs> Absolutely. Glory, glory to Hashem at all times. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so in the show today, we are going to be talking about our microbiological terrain, what viruses, parasites, molds does to us, things that are really not looked at until you start really feeling pretty sick. If you'd like to ask a question of the doctor or you'd like to make a comment, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019, our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. You're listening to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. I'm Adel Kozilski together with Fagy and Dr. Bulatov. And today we are going to be speaking about microbiological terrain. Dr. Bulatov, what does that mean? That means that uh, although we want our blood to be sterile, it's not sterile as many people perceive it. Uh, any human has between two and three undiagnosed or misdiagnosed infections that that human is not aware of. How do we know that? We know it through live blood analysis that many uh, practitioners worldwide have statistical data showing that when you look at the blood on the screen under dark field microscopy, you'll see many uh, undiagnosed actually microorganisms, including parasites, fungi, or bacteria, or viruses. Of course, everybody has different number of them and different combinations. It wasn't until we first came to you, actually, that I learned the importance of of what viruses do to our bodies, and testing is very crucial. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, viruses are the smallest microorganisms, and there is a phenomenon that is not much known to um, uh, conventional medicine uh, practitioners, which is called um, microbiological symbiosis. Uh, Professor Lida Matman and Eva Shapi from United States have proved that smaller microorganisms actually cohabit with bigger microorganisms in order to survive any attack, whether from drugs or from body's immune system. So, for example, viruses live in bacteria, fungi, and parasites. Then bacteria live in fungi and parasites, and fungi live in parasites. So, effectively, if you don't actually eradicate the parasite, fungi, and bacteria, you can't get rid of the virus. Uh, obviously, that's uh, not something that is wildly known. And what the viruses do, they actually affect the inside of the cell, and they can either mutate the, the DNA or cause autoimmunity or cause eventually other complications. So the first stop is to go and have live blood analysis to go and work out what what is what is what residents you have in your in in your body. Live blood analysis is very informative. Uh, the practitioner normally, if it's profoundly trained, because there is two types of training: superficial and deep. Unfortunately. Uh, if it's profoundly trained and in-depth trained, that will provide you with four pages of, uh, uh, you know, analysis. Has has the body uh, any any pathogens that have to be dealt with? And then, according to that, you can do specific blood tests at uh, any laboratory in South Africa to check what specifically and what are the measures and how severe is that infection. How do you treat these viruses? Are they are you able to actually get rid of these viruses? Like I mentioned, if you don't eradicate parasites, fungi, and bacteria, you'll never be able to get rid of uh, viruses. Hence, uh, any conventional medical practitioner will say herpes is not curable, HPV is not curable, Coxsackie is not curable, EBV is not curable. Of course, it's not, because unless the other three classes of pathogens are attended to and eradicated, you cannot actually eradicate those viruses no matter what you do, because they're going to cohabit with the bigger microorganisms. Where are these viruses? Do they reside in a specific place in the body, or are they floating around in the blood? Like, where, where are these viruses? Viruses are intracellular. They're inside the cytoplasm. So they're everywhere? Yeah, they're everywhere. They penetrate specifically some viruses have predilection for specific, like lymph nodes or organs or brain or heart. Like, for example, Coxsackie B and A viruses, they can affect the heart lymph nodes, spleen, liver, and uh, glandular tissues. How does it work with Epstein-Barr virus and its link, let's say, to Lyme disease? Well, when person has chronic Lyme disease, in most cases undiagnosed, unfortunately, worldwide and here as well, um, that is bacterium. And that virus can hide in this bacterium as well because you should not forget it's a bacterium. Besides that, when you have a Lyme disease, your immune system is chronically suppressed which allows a reactivation of latent Epstein-Barr virus that a child could have from glandular fever. What types of symptoms would people have to look out for? Well, the symptoms, whenever you have those infections, the most common symptoms are tiredness, fatigue, uh, depression, anxiety, that uh, actually can go to border of panic attacks, um, various difficulties with concentration, memory, retention, 
focus, ability to work uh, as uh, normal daily and work uh, duties plus sport. When you do sport, you'll feel finished. After the next day, you won't be able to do anything. That's a sure sign you have a viral infection that doesn't allow you actually to normally work and function and and do sports so just a question here if if uh, you know a person does get diagnosed with any one of these latent viruses bacteria fungus mold etc etc you work hard on getting rid of it once once it's gone does it mean that you don't ever have to worry about it again or or do you have to go for a check every single six months a year five years to go and check I mean, meaning, like, does it not, does it come back or like once it's gone, it's gone? Okay. We wish that, uh, once it's gone, it's gone, but that's not reality of life. Yes, we build immunity and all that. We tackle it much faster and much more effective next time. However, nobody's ensured that throughout their lives they won't get it again. Um, although, uh, you know, they've, they've eradicated it and everything, but, from life, you can actually have many reinfections. Okay, you're listening to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. We're speaking with Dr. Bulatov, and we're talking about those things, those viruses. I think everybody knows the word virus today. Um, we can't see it, we can't understand it, um, it infiltrates us and it wreaks havoc on our body. If you've got any questions, 34519 is our SMS line, 061 895 is our telegram number. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. A reminder to all our listeners is that Fagy and I run a WhatsApp group and every day we just give you a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of positivity and an idea on how to make yourself more healthy. If you'd like to join this group, um, you obviously have to have WhatsApp. Just send an email to info at chaifm.com with your name and your cell phone number, and we will gladly join you on. We're discussing our microbiological terrain. Um, before we get into how to cleanse all these things, can we talk about certain of them that seem very, very prevalent? Um, and obviously, I got very educated about it just because I had it. I think you too as well, Fagy. But things like, let's talk about Lyme disease. Lyme disease, I think, is one of the most undiagnosed uh, conditions around. Am I right or am I wrong, doctor? Yes, you are. Worldwide, unfortunately, all Lyme is uh, driven crazy by not being understood and properly diagnosed and investigated by their practitioners. And uh, unfortunately, in South Africa, we have uh, a specific organization stand that South, South Africa does not have any Lyme at all, as not considered an endemic area. And uh, that makes uh, people and practitioners kind of very relaxed about it without doing specialized tests. However, from my practice in the last 11 years, there is many undiagnosed chronic cases most of them are chronic, and they haven't necessarily been traveling. Uh, some of them never traveled anywhere else except South Africa or Africa. Um, and no matter whether they've been traveling or not, they still have that condition. And, of course, other things that are very common lately is Bilarzia. Bilarzia is often forgotten uh, water parasite in South Africa that uh, not many people are thinking of because that could imitate many, many symptoms and people could be misled about something else. 
Other common thing is, of course, uh, we know that uh, EBV and herpes are very, very common viruses. Uh, however, not many people bother to test for Koksaki because Koksaki virus could do a lot of damage if not specifically tested for Koksaki A and Koksaki B. Koksaki A has 24 strains and Koksaki B has 6. So those specific tests have to be done regularly uh, because otherwise you have no idea to discern between the symptoms that could actually imitate other microorganism symptoms and you cannot discern unless you do specifics. But surely so also we're all walking around with so many viruses and it's something that we constantly have to be wanting to get rid of. I mean, are we not going to then be on herbs and medications for months and months and months and not like with no end? Not necessarily because once we eradicate the viruses, remember you build immunity and any time when you have viruses again, you will be able to actually get over it without developing major symptoms or no symptoms at all. And that is building the inner immunity as you clean, as you make sure that you regularly deworm to keep the parasites away as a host. You do anti-mold diet, anti-fungal diet to make sure there's no fungal overgrowth and you keep away from bacterial infections like you eradicate them. So then viruses are easy to overcome. Can we come back to a thing like Lyme disease? Where would I catch Lyme disease? Well, how, how would I develop Lyme disease? Okay, Lyme disease is something that is mostly accepted worldwide that you're mostly infected by tick bites. However, uh, there is many other ways of transmission. You should not forget that Lyme disease is sexually transmitted because it's a spirochete like the syphilitic spirochete, exactly the same. It is, this, unfortunately, uh, in the mosquitoes that are infected could infect the person if they bite. Spiders, uh, dog bites, cat bites, dog and scratch, dog scratches, cat scratches. Uh, it's not that simple that practically, uh, you only get it from tick bites. Also, also, if the mother has it, it goes through the placenta to the unborn baby. So if mother has parakeets circulating in the blood, it will be transmitted to the baby. That's really interesting because in South Africa, you know, um, like, yeah, I've had Lyme disease and it, it was from a tick bite. What was interesting, though, is that, and, and, and it's common, right? We all go to the Kruger. We all go and walk in yeah. fields. We, you know, it's very easily to be bitten by a tick bite. I recall that when I, when I got the tick bite, I actually developed real, like, full-blown symptoms. I landed up at the, at the casualty. They gave me antibiotics. It seemed to reduce the tick, you know, the tick bite fever and, and the, you know, the symptoms that, that you get from it, but it never really got eradicated from my body. Okay. So about 30, 40% of all people that have been bitten by ticks, whether they had transmission of, uh, a Borrelia, which is the causative agent of Lyme, and it's never only Borrelia, it's always three or four more, uh, co-infections transmitted from the saliva of the tick. When the antibiotics are given, depends what the practitioner gives you. For example, penicillin class antibiotics won't do anything. Uh, they need to give you tetracycline or uh, doxycycline or stuff like that that can actually help. But despite the treatment, 30-40% of the people will not eradicate the bacteria. The reason why uh, they would not be able to overcome the biofilm that the bacteria will build inside the body, surrounding themselves with this sticky poly, uh, polysaccharide material that actually does not allow antibiotics to penetrate through it. And that's the weakest link, that antibiotics cannot break the biofilm. 
They cannot. And that's why some people will not be able to be cured from those. Besides, they might have underlying parasitic fungal infections that actually aggravate the condition, knowing about microbiological symbiosis. What 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 are the symptoms of Lyme disease? The symptoms are more than 365 symptoms. There is long okay. lists. Uh, you can check it on my website. Uh, there is a booklet there that's called uh, Lyme disease, the greatest imitator. And then you'll see more than 365 symptoms that are listed. Some of them are symptoms. Some of them are diseases. Some of them are medical conditions. I think a lot of people also with joint pain have a, you know, that's, that's quite a big one. Yeah, of course. But remember, everybody who has Lyme will be affected. The brain neurotransmission will be affected. Um, and that can cause many kinds of psychological, mental, emotional symptoms. And, of course, uh, muscle joint pains. And, of course, uh, Bell's palsy is a typical symptom of Lyme disease when one side of your face is paralyzed. Uh, but, you see, the problem is many practitioners don't pay attention. They, they start treating the symptoms. Meantime, you need to treat the cause. So it seems like parasites is a major issue with regard to like getting rid of the viruses, etc., can you discuss parasites and where they actually reside, how often to treat it or what to take in order to eradicate the parasites, and especially in children as well? There is many types of parasites. The intracellular one, like malaria, for example, and babesia and toxoplasma, they live inside the cell. They're microscopic. And there is various other parasites that are worms, like flatworms, roundworms, uh, there is blood parasites like Bilharzia. Bilharzia is a blood fluke. There is another parasites that are liver, pancreatic, lung, and uh, flukes that circulate in the blood and the organs. So the parasites could reside anywhere in the body, not only the gut. It can be anywhere else in the body, whether the blood, the, the glands, the, the liver, the lungs, the pancreas, the spleen, kidneys, and all that, bladder and stuff. So depends how the parasite uh, lays eggs and how these eggs are actually uh, their larvae are distributed through the bloodstream and lymph. So it's not something that we can say. Of course, different parasites have different uh, preferred body parts to be in. However, they could land up anywhere if not treated. I've heard that, um, that the worms can even be behind your eyes and kind of give you issues with your eyesight. Yes, of course, of course. In Central Africa, we have this parasite that can give you blindness. Um, so it can be treated successfully there. And, um, yeah, it's a well-known treatment. However, we can pick up parasites from eating sushi, for example, touching surfaces, ATMs, escalators, uh, you know, handshakes, various ways. It's not like we need to have dogs and cats to have parasites. So what's the best way to treat it? The best way to treat it is not definitely to take uh, any conventional drug for three days because parasitic cycle is 28 days according to the moon cycle. And they need to be totally eradicated, the old, I mean, the adult forms, juvenile forms, and the larvae. So that requires herbal formula that is much more effective to eradicate them and all the three forms of them for 28 days or three months, depends what is the type of the parasite. So should one prophylactically take parasitical medication, like what, once a year, once every six months? What what, what should one do to try uh, 
keep that in abeyance. Every three months, we need to take parasitic formula, antiparasitic formula, herbal, based on um, the herbs that are proven to eradicate the eggs, the larvae, and the adult forms. And this is a routine procedure that has to be done, irrespective with the adult or child, because many patients, they come to me and they go like, oh, I deworm my children, but I never deworm myself. I think that we've lost Dr. Bulatov for a minute over there. Okay, I'm going to try and get him back on. Um, in the meantime, Fagi, like, have you had your own personal experience just in terms of what is happening with with uh, with parasitical uh, in- infections? I haven't had any myself, but I, do, I have seen in my children, and um, you know, we like there've been kind of skin issues or scalp issues, and a lot of the time, people will kind of give you like a topical cream to try and get rid of it without actually saying to you, well, you know, you really have to get rid of the parasites correctly. And obviously this, it seems like what Dr. Bulatov is saying, that the, it takes a lengthy process to try and get rid of them, not just popping a pill in one day and getting rid of the worms. Exactly right. You see, the parasites, they in general cause various types of allergic reactions because their excrements, whether they're microscopic or macroscopic, are foreign to the body and they trigger histamine release. So that could affect the skin, that could affect um, various body organs, that could affect the brain, you know, many things. So you can't just deal with it superficially. I've heard about parasites having an effect on behavior. Absolutely. The parasites, uh, common symptom is grinding teeth at night. Um, They can actually affect the neurotransmission, brain neurotransmission. They can make you tired. They can make you irritable, angry, ragey. Uh, lazy, sleepy, uh, losing weight, uh, losing, I mean, uh, deficiency of minerals and vitamins. Of course, that can be done. That's absolutely known fact. One of the things that, 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 that I certainly know is that when a person comes to you and, you know, you do the blood work and you go and check what, what is the underlying causes is that you talk about the anti-mold uh, diet. Can we talk a little bit about the diet? What what does this diet consist of? Because I think most people anyway come back and say, Dr. Bulatov has given me nothing to eat. <laughs> and why, 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 why are you putting whatever diet is there? Um, what does it do to this entire scenario? Okay, remember, uh, remember the two biggest uh, uh, microorganisms that the viruses and bacteria live are fungi and parasites. So by regular deworming, you take away the parasites as a possible cause for them. By doing anti-mold diet, which is about 95% of the population has mold disease in different degree, and about 25% of the population is genetically determined to develop mold disease as a exposure to mold environment. So this is the most common, um, how to say, infection amongst people on earth. So if you do feed that infection with foods that actually uh, stimulate their growth, for example, gluten, dairy, uh, sugar, uh, vinegar, alcohol, um, various things that ferment, soy derivatives, you will never be able to get rid of this thing. And hence, you'll never be able to get rid of bacterial and viral infections because they have a constant host for them. And what the... the what you call it, the anti-mold diet consists from, it's practically no starch, uh, no flours, no grains, similar to keto, paleo, and banting, but none of the three, 
And of course, I individualize it according to the metabolic type of the person, the blood group, and so on. And that is the diet that is actually doing great things, including its anti-aging and youth promoting. It sounds like the mold has a has a similar effect to histamine. So it's a histamine. The low histamine diet sounds pretty similar. Yeah, mycotoxins are released by various types of molds. You should not forget we have about more than hundred thousand species of mold flying around. Um, and we can't avoid it. That's something that we live with and we've always been living with. And when the mycotoxins go uh, into the body, released by the mold spores or uh, the, the fungal cell, they imitate um, histamine release. So they stimulate histamine release. The mycotoxins, they create various effects on body parts. Some of them can, can stimulate cancer growth. Other can create histamine release, other can create uh, liver damage or brain or sinus. It, it's not one it's not one and the same thing caused by different mycotoxins. My sense is though that like all the all the all the symptoms that you're talking, like I think everybody will nod their head and say, Yes, I feel lazy or I feel like angry or I'm grinding my teeth or I'm feeling fatigued or I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling XYZ. That you know, that in essence a lot a lot of the population is walking around ill, you know, and I, I, I think that, that, you know, I, it's been, it's been, what's the name now? And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, um, highlighted now with the COVID pandemic that, that COVID is also a, a virus. It does affect us, but it's affecting us because we are diseased in the first place. Like our bodies are not functioning, you know, at optimal level. And so it will land up in, in the body where there is inflammation, where there is, you know, we hear lots of people uh, talking about the fact that they, you know, they have shingles again. The, the reason you're having shingles is because you, this virus is still, still dormant in your body. Is that correct? It is absolutely correct. The people that got uh, uh, heavy cases of, of that virus plus complications or have died, they had underlying conditions. They didn't just die from the virus itself because the virus has been circulating for billions of years and uh, every spring and autumn we have been exposed to it. So it's not the virus per se. It is what is underlying in the body that does allow the virus to cause complications or other issues. Right. Okay. So just in terms, going back to the the, the diet um, and you, you said things that we shouldn't be eating. We shouldn't be eating gluten, sugar, vinegar um what 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 should we be eating do you do you prescribe to your patients uh like food portions or or is it this is all that you can eat you can eat as much as you want whenever you want during the day like what's more the the positive side of of what should you be doing yeah you see according to my understanding and experience 85 percent of people on earth have gluten sensitivity non-celiac gluten sensitivity only 1% have celiac disease. They know about it already before they come to me. And then 40% of all these people are dairy intolerant. So now what happens when you have those foods and you have underlying conditions that you're not aware of, you're actually doing disfavor to your body by shifting it in disease state instead of health state. And of course, if you don't do specialized tests, you would not know what you have and what you need to exclude. So for different metabolic type and different patient, there is specific diet that I give. It's not the same for everybody. So it's not like food portions and stuff because everybody is different. I don't give like a recipe book or stuff deliberately because 
uh, they need to create their own uh, regimen out of the the range of foods that actually are good for them. Would you say nightshades are bad for everyone? So let's, we're going to hold on to that nightshade discussion. We have to go for a little bit of a break. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show on 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're talking with Dr. Bulatov and we are getting to realize that we have a whole lot of stuff inside of us that while it might seem that they're pretty silent, they're actually affecting our health to a large extent. Uh, just before the break, Faggy, you were asking about nightshades. What are nightshades, Dr. Bulatov? Nightshades are the family of belladonna uh, plant, uh, which is the deadly nightshade. Um, and they are potatoes, chips, tomatoes, brinjals, peppers, chilies, paprika, currant pepper, goji berries, ashwagandha, castor oil, tobacco, and that's it. So practically, if people that the A or AB blood group eat them, the A antigen is very sensitive to alkaloids in the nightshade family. They will create in those people with A and AB blood group inflammation and pain. So unless those people stop nightshades completely, uh, eradicate them from their diet, they will not achieve, they will not achieve any like success, permanent success with healing themselves. However, the other blood groups like O and B, they can have as well sensitivity, but it's much less and highly unlikely. For example, B blood group will have sensitivity only to tomato, and some O blood group might behave as A and AB due to autoimmunity and other things. But fundamentally, A and AB blood group people should not eat um, at all the nightshades unless they are non-secretors, which is only 15% of them. Then maybe they can get away with it. Okay. Uh, just one of the one of the other questions that I want to ask you: What about where does probiotics and prebiotics fall into this into this regime? Probiotics and prebiotics are not needed by everybody. They are needed by specific metabolic types more than the others. So they are not like general advice, everybody must take probiotics. Because if you take prebiotics that are relevant to your metabolic type, you will make the good amounts of probiotics that your body will need in the small intestine and, and the colon. So how, how do you determine who needs it? Is it again a blood group issue? It's a metabolic type. Blood group is one of the nine homeostatic control mechanisms in the in the person. Blood group is just one of them. There's eight more things that I'm looking at. But surely right. stool tests also have an effect on knowing this? Absolutely. Because I know that the H. pylori has a huge effect on everything that we've discussed you know, in the show. Absolutely. Helicobacter pylori is very, very common bacterium that lives in the stomach and the gut and very under-tested as well. Can we also just discuss quickly about antibiotics and the effect that it has on all these good bacteria that we have and the effects that it could have on us? Fundamentally, we have the conventional medicine has uh, faced very challenging thing, which is antibiotic resistance, uh, drug resistance. And this is the biggest problem because of over-medicating with antibiotics from a few months old babies until adulthood. So now antibiotics, besides stimulating fungal overgrowth, so if the person already has mold infection, that will blow it out of proportion. And that could affect the person negatively rather than positively. So the antibiotics must be used very uh, clinically specific, only if needed, and very wisely. They should not be over-prescribed 
and um, necessary taken as as sweeties, you know, because uh, some kids they have it every three months, every two months, and they already have fungal overgrowth after after a few months of doing that. So lifetime they suffer from mold infection. It seems like there's just so much to be aware of and to look into and to test for. If 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 you if somebody said to you, Loza, I've heard everything you're saying. It's pretty overwhelming. Obviously, you know that they, they, if they want to dig deep into it, they should they should have an appointment with somebody like you. But on an overall level, if I said to you, give us three pointers, three things that everybody should do, um, to, you know, to try promote better health. What would they be? Okay, the three fundamental points is faith in Hashem 24-7 without failure. Fantastic. I agree with that. Okay, then. <laughs> because faith changes the brain in a way that is healing and not the way of disease. 100%. The next, eating according to metabolic type and microbiological terrain, which includes the proper foods for yourself, proper supplements, proper exercise that is making sense to your body, uniquely made. And the third thing is unconditional love and gratitude 24-7 because that puts you in a state that is healing and not disease-promoting. Well, one of the interesting things in in you saying all of this is that I was reading that there was a study now um, of the, the various causes of people that found themselves in hospital with COVID, and obviously they, you know, they talk about the comorbidities of diabetes, etc. But the third was fear, anxiety, and all yeah. of that that actually just drove the immune system down, you know, to to an extent okay. that 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 you you do you do become vulnerable to you know to to things out there. And I th- I, th- I think I think the the non pharmaceutical interventions are very much um, undermined or not. Not given enough attention that having a, you know, being in a state of gratitude, being positive, you know, being, being, being unfearful, like stop, like being, we walk around in fear all the time, trying to control all the time, that that, that does have an effect on your, your immune system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, psycho, psycho neuroimmunology studies all those connections. And these are known facts. So Emunash Lema is the best antidote coupled with love and gratitude. And then. Well, there you go. Um, Dr. Bulatov, if people want to, to get hold of you, how, how, how would they be able to make an appointment? Very simple. Uh, they just send me WhatsApp message on the same number that I have. I have not only one number for the last 15 years. And, would you like uh, to share that number? Would you like to share that number? Yes, it is 072-460-3163 for the brave ones. Only for, for people that are brave. We're going to go for a little bit of an ad break and wrap up. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. One of the interesting things that I certainly have seen in my personal lives, and I think this is something that motivates both myself and Fagy. Fagy, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree, is that today, more than ever, we are needing to look at, at our health in a, in a, in a different light. We need to look like more specifically that each and every single person is individualized. We have our, our, our metabolic type. Um, we are different people. We have different characters, different characteristics of our body. We are genetically um, individual. And when it comes to medicine now, not only should we be looking like overall, there is certainly and most importantly a, a place for uh, the medical fraternity as we know it. 
Um, certainly, if I break a leg, I'm not going to, you know, start taking some herbs to try to fix up my leg or if I'm in a state, God forbid, of a heart attack. We definitely do need all the wisdom that we have when it comes to, uh, to, to, to medicine, but there is much, much more that we need to look at and start having a conversation about looking at people on a, a on, on, on a whole level. And I think that that is, is very, very important. And so this is what Healthy You, Wealthy You does. As always, um, if you want to join that conversation and to be informed of um, information on that basis, you may join our WhatsApp group on um, – well, sorry, by sending an email to info at highfm.com with your name and your number, and we will gladly join you. Thank you again, Dr. Bulatov, for everything that you have done, and thank you, Fagi, again, for all your, uh, your, your efforts in bringing on these fantastic people. We wish That's everybody, a, we wish everybody a wonderful, wonderful week ahead, and we'll be back. Same time, same place. Have a healthy week ahead. Thank you, Dr. Bulatov.